Welcome to the VBPH Sermon Podcast. This week, we're reposting sermons from the recent Bible conference in Tucson, Arizona. Each day this week, you'll enjoy sermons that were preached in the evening services, plus one morning seminar for our Saturday episode. Even our free subscribers will get a full week of ad-supported episodes. But if you'd like to support world evangelism with early released episodes and an ad-free listening experience, then use the links in the show notes to subscribe today. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's sermon. Amen. What a wonderful thing we are a part of. And I am so excited to be able to preach the gospel. Thank you, Pastor Warner, for the invitation. Pastor King being able to be a part of what God is doing. And God is working in our fellowship all over the world. I just got back a week ago from uh, Australia, first time in uh, two and a half years, and they've been able to have anyone come in to uh, preach in the conference. And uh, this is in Perth. This is the church where my wife and I were launched out of in 1986. And uh, great work of God, Pastor Tom Payne, uh, my father went there for six months, and then Tom Payne for 12 years. Now Daryl Elliott is there and uh, doing a great job. In the conference, they planted uh, six churches in Australia but and two international churches. Very exciting. One into Islamabad, Pakistan. And very, very exciting uh, what God is doing in the earth. Can you believe that we're a part of a, place, uh, a fellowship that puts churches in Pakistan? Muslim country. Thank God. And so it is my honor to be able to give you a challenge from God's word on the final night. Turn into your Bibles to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4. George Williams, many years ago, he started yet the Young Men's Christian Association, YMCA. The YMCA was a Bible study for displaced men in London, England. It was focused on learning about Christ. The YMCA trained and sent over 20,000 missionaries. That was their purpose. But as the organization grew and expanded to other countries, their focus became fitness and health with no reference to Christ whatsoever. In 2010, the YMCA officially dropped three of the four letters and became simply the Y and removed any remaining ties to its original Christian roots. So they drifted from their mission. In the text that I'm going to read a very familiar passage, Paul is at the end of his life and he says these words, I have finished the course. And what Paul is saying is, I have been true to my mission that God gave us. That is our call that I want to give you on this final night of conference is the call to remain mission true. Let's read 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the course. I've kept the faith. In the future, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me On that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Mission true. Let's begin. I want to talk about the danger of drift. Paul is at the end of his life. 
And he speaks about the mission that God had given him. God had a purpose for Paul's life, Philippians 3.12, that I may lay hold of, of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. He is saying, God grabbed onto me for a reason. There was a purpose. There was a mission. Acts 9.15, he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Paul understood God has a mission. He has a mission for individuals. He has a mission for churches. He has a mission for fellowships. And God's purposes have specifics. Verse 7, he says, I have finished the course. King James Version, my course. It has the idea, of course, of running in uh, uh, athletic events, whether this is my lane. The course would be, if it's sprinting, it is my lane marked out for me. If it is a marathon or a longer race, it's the race course that has been marked out. That is very specific. We read from time to time about people that enter marathon races, but then they take shortcuts. They ride the bus, they catch a taxi, and then run in at the end. There is no one who is okay with that because you did not run in your course. I want to tell you on a Friday night of conference, God has given our fellowship very specifics of mission. Our mission is very narrow. We do not do everything in the entire world. Let me tell you five things that are the core of the mission of our fellowship. Number one, our mission is the local church. We understand the church is the gathering of people to hear a message from the king. That means in a local church, when we gather, everything centers around preaching. That is what we're called to. We are a preaching fellowship. Number two, it is evangelism. To win the loss through personal witnessing and outreach. Outreach is either find a crowd or create a crowd. Locate where people already are existing and preach to them. I heard in the sermons this week, many were talking about street preaching in various venues. That is finding a crowd. But also you can create a crowd. Literally anything can become an outreach. In Australia, when I was just there in the conference a couple of weeks ago, each night in the reports, I was fascinated at the different ideas for outreach. You know, every December around Christmas time, they have in the British tradition in Australia, they follow this carols by candlelight, holding a candle, singing Christmas carols. And one of the pastors, he ministers in an area where there's a lot of Indians. And he said, we had curry by candlelight. <laughs> That's brilliant. Another one was talking about, you know, barber contests and all kinds of different things because find a crowd or create a crowd, evangelism is our calling. Number three, discipleship. 
We train young men. We train couples in-house. We don't send them to seminary. We train them in-house to prepare them to fulfill their calling in preaching the gospel. Fourthly, church planting. This is what we're going to do tonight. We're going to send couples to new areas and new cities to preach the gospel, to make disciples and reproduce the mother church. And then what we saw last night, world evangelism, this is the fifth part of our mission to send couples to foreign nations to preach the gospel, make disciples and reproduce the mother church. That is the essence of our mission. I want you to understand in church circles, in church world, we are very boring. You will never come to conference and we say, folks, now this week we've changed and we're going to reveal the true hidden meaning of the Nephilim. It's not going to happen. That is our mission, the essential core. That doesn't mean that's the only thing that we do, but that is the core And we are expected to stay the course all the way. That is crucial that we do that. I have finished the course, verse 7. It's at the end of his life. I am still doing at the end what I was doing at the beginning of my calling. Doing right for a limited time isn't good enough. I am cursed. All of my sports teams stink. (laughs) And I have some sports teams that they do very well in a championship series for two games. If only it was only a two-game series. But unfortunately, it's seven. I have teams, they play great for the first half, but the game is two halves, three quarters, but there's four quarters. You have to finish And this is what Paul says, we have to stay the course. The danger that Paul understands is the danger of mission drift. Human nature is we tend to slowly drift or move away from what we were originally. Hebrews 2.1, therefore we must give the most more earnest heed to the things we've heard, lest we, and the King James, let them slip Lest we drift away. Drift means to let slip. It is a gradual, almost unnoticed movement past a certain point. Has the idea of giving up a a belief. Mission drift is our danger always. And mission drift is dangerous. It, It is often unnoticed because it happens so slowly. Changes are made to the vision slowly over time. I quoted Psalm 91.6 this morning, destruction that lays waste at noonday. They're not destroyed in the beginning when they start at noonday. It is after some time, Habakkuk 3.2 talks about needing to be revived in the midst of years. Mission drift is often unnoticed because the changes seems so minor as to be inconsequential. You know, the problem is never that you show up on a Sunday night and the pastor is wearing a dress. Wait a minute. That, that would be shocking. Or I hope it would be shocking. 
Depends on where you live, I guess. But Song of Solomon 2.15, catch the little foxes that ruin the vineyards while they're in blossom. The danger is small things over time, because it's small, it's like, what is the big deal? You know, if you have one degree of drift, I, I fly a lot. I'm going to fly home tonight. They fly according to a compass. If you have just one degree of drift on a compass, come on. You got another 359 degrees. What's the big deal? You know, if you take off from New York City to fly to L.A. and your compass just has one degree of drift, by the time you get to L.A., you'll be off 41 miles. If you take off from L.A. to go to Johannesburg with one degree of drift, by the time you get to South Africa, you'll be off 173 miles. It matters. Drift matters. The danger is that we can come to a point where we are nothing like the original mission. The Salvation Army actually has very little to do with either salvation or being an army. My father said he was not a churchgoer, but he said as a boy, he remembered that the Salvation Army would be on the Park Plaza where we now outreach. He would, they would do street outreaches and would preach when he was a boy. But there came a time in later years where the captain of the Salvation Army in Prescott publicly stood in a city council meeting and said, I oppose the potter's house preaching and evangelizing on the plaza. That is very different than they used to be. Harvard University in 1636, its mission was instructing students to know God and Jesus Christ. And now it is totally anti-God because it's nothing like it. My wife and I were sent out from a church in 1986 in Perth, West Australia, an atmosphere of absolute cranking revival. The night we were sent out, there were five couples from our church, us and four other couples. We all went out the same night launched into the ministry, incredible revival. Everybody wanted to, dogs, cats, and chickens wanted to preach. I'm telling you, there was an atmosphere. 16 years later, came back to the church we were launched out of in revival, and it was like, dear God, what have you done? No longer that atmosphere, no longer that thrust for evangelism, no longer a hunger to do the will of God. Something had changed. That is the danger of drift. Thank God, I want to tell you that is not the case today. What a joy in that same church when I was just there a few weeks ago, thriving atmosphere of revival again. But the danger is we can get to a point where we're nothing like the original mission. Why do people drift over time? People drift because they don't understand the mission. That's why I'm not excited when people, you know what we need to do? We need to change things. We got to change things. But in experience, sadly, often those who say they want to change things, it's really because you didn't understand the original mission anyway. That's why you're so easily changing it. It's because you don't want the work of the mission. I want to tell you, 
our fivefold mission is stinking hard work. It is difficult. Many of the things we do over time to continue, it's hard work. There are people, they just don't want that work. It's because they don't have a passion for the mission. The only way you can do something over time for many years is if you love it. That's why guilt as a motivator is not sufficient over time. You have to love it. Passion. Pastor Joe Campbell was talking about a man, Pastor Mitchell was trying to encourage this man to do right, hoping he would do right. Pastor Joe Campbell finally told my father, he said, the problem, Pastor Mitchell, it's just not in him. It's not in him. He doesn't love it. We're not going to encourage someone to do what they don't love. It will never work. Fourth reason why people drift is they believe they have to change in order to be effective or in order to be more effective. There's a book I recommend to you. It's called Mission Drift. Here's the, the, the thesis statement of the whole book. Those who drift believe that as the world changes, so does an organization's purpose. Well, the world has changed, so we need to change our mission. Why? To be effective, to be more effective, to be relevant. It's often, it'll help. Oh, people will get saved. You think because the world changed, you need to change the mission. Years ago, Robert Polacco and I were in a music store in South Africa. Young man heard our accents. Why are you here? We're preachers or missionaries. And he said, oh, I'm, I'm a Christian. I attend Apostolic Faith Mission. And I said, oh, Apostolic Faith Mission, AFM, founded by John G. Lake. And he just looked at me blankly and he said, who? I said, you don't even know who founded your entire movement? He walked away for a minute and then he came back and he said, you know, we're not really into the past. We're just aiming at the future. But the problem is if you don't know your past, how will you know if that future is any good compared to what? Can I just tell you if there comes a day when someone comes and talks about Pastor Wayman Mitchell and you go, who? I want to poke you in the eye. No. <laughs> Let's talk second about staying mission true. How do we stay mission true all the way to the end? You do that by knowing why we exist. That is crucial. You have to know why. Why do we do what we do? When you know why, you define what is unchanging. I get it. The world changes. But there are things that are absolutely eternal. They're unchanging. That is our values, our purpose, purposes, our mission. That is our spiritual DNA. That has to be defined. You have to know what must be unchanging. Therefore, you know what to protect. Listen, you, you don't have to fight about every little thing. There's somebody they want to fight about everything. You don't fight about every little thing, but things that affect the core of our mission. That's crucial. So you have to know why do we exist? What is it that God has put in us that is unique, that is different from every other fellowship? Number two, you have to accept the work of our mission. As I said, what we do is difficult. 
So deal with that. You have to develop a passion for the mission. I was reading about a, a, a conductor of an orchestra. I'm, I'm not really into classical music, but I was reading about this conductor of the orchestra that apparently he was so enthusiastic at leading it that he dislocated his shoulder. Now, I don't even like classical music. I would pay to watch that. I mean, that guy was into it. You know, there's a problem if you have an incredible mission and you're not into it. Listen, if you don't have a passion for what we do, ask God for it. Had a young man in our church, his pattern for many years has been conference. He would get excited. Oh, Pastor Greg, I'm stirred. I'm excited. Thank God. It would last usually about two weeks and then it would fade, sometimes a month, but it would always fade. And then the next rally, the next, I'm stirred fade. I'm excited, fade. This past January, once again, wonderful conference. Again, I'm stirred about my calling. Want to do a work for God. But the next week at breakfast, he was honest and he said, Pastor Greg, the problem with me, the pattern of my life is I get excited and then in a short time I fade. And I was like, oh, imagine that. (laughs) And he said, the If I'm honest, the problem is I'm more passionate about making money. I see opportunities for investment. That really excites me. I'm more excited about money than I am about calling. He said, so that's why my excitement for calling fades. What should I do about that? And I said to him, ask. Surely that would be a prayer that our Father in heaven would answer. Ask God to give you a passion for his will, a hunger. He did that that day. He prayed by himself and said, God, give me a passion. He had been interested in an investment property. The next morning, they called him and said, hey, that property came open. You can, you can buy that now. Great deal, great investment. And he said, wait, yesterday, I was praying about this. Today, he goes, I think that's from hell. And he turned the deal down. I want to tell you something that is very pleasing to me is now six months later, he's still excited. Hasn't faded. Amen. And you know what? If you have a passion, listen, you can have a passion that will last way beyond six months. You know what we do? I don't do this because I have to. I love it. It's a passion. You need to understand the difference between methods and mission. Not all change is drift, of course. Some change is necessary. Imagine if we were still only playing the acid rock of the 1970s in urban settings, foreign cultures. It'd be like, I tried playing rock and roll to South Africans in a in township setting. Very sad. They don't understand Sweet home Alabama? No, that's... Some change is necessary. But any change that diminishes or alters the core of our mission, it's from hell. It's not right. We should reject it. This is a problem. False doctrine comes through. Brownsville. How many remember the Brownsville revival? People in our fellowship got into Brownsville. 
in Australia, where I pastored originally, was sent out from, devastated numbers of churches, be talking with men that we were in the ministry together, and they'd be saying, oh, oh, it's powerful. It was so powerful, we worshiped. We worshiped, we worshiped so much, we never even got to the sermon. Uh, That's wrong. What is the church? The church is the gathering of the people to hear the message from the king. You are diminishing the core. That should be rejected. From time to time, we have bright sparks. who They say, you know what? Why do we have three services a week? What if we just had like one really good service a week? If we raised the same amount of money, that would be better. No, but you don't understand. You're affecting discipleship. Having people to commit themselves through the week. People who are involved in ministry. What that does. That's a discipleship issue. How about if we just bring all the couples home and build like a really big base of ministry? Absolutely not. That's against the core of our mission, which is church planting. And then we have to ruthlessly get rid of anything that takes away from our mission. There will be many voices. Pastor Ruby just spoke about that in the offering. There are many voices that will try to pull us in get us into other involvements. Pastor, what we need is we need to get involved in politics and elect Christians, education, helping poor people, ending sexual trafficking. No. A wise man, Vance Havner, he said, it's possible that the good can become the enemy of the best. There are people, they're into, those are all helpful. It's nice. I'm in favor of ending sexual trafficking. I want people to be housed and clothed and fed. I want people to be educated, but not at the expense of our mission. And there are things that are distractions, so we have to ruthlessly refuse. That's not our mission. I have people all the time. I, I, I gotta, I, we gotta, there are people, there are evil people on the school board. We, I wanna send out a p- petition. Absolutely not. That's not why we're here. We are not distracting from our core mission. What was it my father said a million times? The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. That is how we stay on course over time. And every pastor and every parent, we must transmit vision. You make a mistake if you assume that everyone knows what you know. That is why I love questions. When I travel, people ask me questions. I like answering them because it helps them. But one of the things that helps me, it shows me what other people don't know. Listen, you know things. You understand. You've been around a long time. But there are new people. There are people that never grasped it the last 17,000 times you preached it. Young man, the other day at breakfast, he's asking me, Pastor Greg, is tithing on the gross or the net? I was like, wow. Every time I stand up and give a challenge for tithing, it's like, apparently, somehow that, that you missed that part. So that's good. I was glad he asked the question. You have to transmit it. You cannot speak vision too much. You cannot preach 
mission too much. You cannot teach mission too much. Because when you are preaching and teaching about mission, you are instructing those who have never received it. You're encouraging those who are in the battle of it. You bring into line the straying. Taylor University is a small Christian college in Indiana. It was founded in 1846. Apparently, it's remained true to its original mission now for over 150 years It ranked number one in the category of best regional colleges for five years in a row. Listen to Dr. Ben Sells. He's the vice president of advancement. What he said about their mission as a college. He said, our challenge going forward is to be more true to who we are than we've ever been before. Ben understood that. We have to be mission true. Let's talk finally about the blessings of faithfulness. Because our text is a wonderful testimony. What a thing to say at the end of your life, I have finished the course. I've finished my course. What a thing to say about your life, I am still doing at the end what I was called to do at the beginning. Can I tell you, we can finish well. Philippians 1.6, God began doing a good work in you, and I'm sure he will continue it until it is finished when Jesus Christ comes again. In our text, Paul tells us the reason why we want to finish well. We want to stay mission true. Verse 8, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. We will stand before the one who called us one day the one who gave us our mission. We're going to stand before God. We are going to answer. That's the point of many of the parables. Whatever valuable, precious thing you are given, one day you'll stand before the master and he'll ask you, what did you do with it? Listen, if you were to stand before the master right now, would that be good news? Or would that be bad news? When he looks, would God say, that's not what you were given? Number two, we will be rewarded for staying true to our mission. Verse eight, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. There will be a reward. What a wonderful thing to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. And thirdly, our faithfulness affects other people. That's what Paul says. Why do we need to stay the course, stay mission true? Verse eight, and not only to me, but also to all who've loved his appearing. What we do affects people's lives. Sometimes I have people come up and they will tell of, I heard you preach or I heard something you said, and then they will tell me of a decision they made in their life. It altered the course of their life. Listen, what we do affects people. So Paul said, that's why it's so important to him at the end. I didn't drift. I'm still doing the same because all along the way, other people are being affected by that forever. You know, my father went into the ministry in 1960. He'd been pastoring for 10 years. By the time he came to Prescott in 1970, and in 1970, God began to reveal the vision of our fellowship. The five things that I told you that are the core of our vision, I certainly didn't dream them up. 
It's God's word, God's will, but God revealed to my father what his will is for all of us as a fellowship. For over 60 years in total, but for over 50 years in two churches, Prescott, Arizona, and Perth, West Australia, my father stayed mission true. At age 90, my father was still flying probably 150,000 miles a year to preach the gospel. And everywhere he went, he reiterated the same five core pieces of our vision. At age 90, in March of 2020, he made his very last overseas trip. Incredible. My father preached his very last miracle healing crusade. By the end, my father was almost completely deaf. His eyesight was failing, couldn't see his notes. But he preached a healing crusade and incredible miracles. (laughs) Go figure that one out. Preached and stood in the conference, his final overseas trip, came home, preached in Carbondale, Illinois, final conference there, and then his very last preaching out, Albuquerque, New Mexico, Pioneer Rally. Came home to Prescott and preached one more time. At the end, his mind was fading, the onset of Alzheimer's. While standing to preach the gospel one more time, the end of the sermon, he pulled an altar call. How many thousands of altar calls did my father preach through the years? And once again, if there's anybody here, you don't know Jesus. Pulled and someone responded and got saved. They answered the altar call. And right after that, my father suffered strokes while on stage, started mumbling, rambling. I told him, cut the live stream. We helped him off the stage, and he never preached again at age 90. But what a way to go. Come on. What a way to go. The very last thing you do, he got one more person saved. Because that's how he started the mission. That's, that's what we're all about. He could say, I finished my course. My father was mission true. And now, of course, there's a, there's a change. Listen, oh God, if God would help me. So you know what I want for Christmas? Pray for me. <laughs> oh God, if God would help me. Because that's, that's not my role. I'm not here to reveal the role of the Nephilim in the Old Testament. You know what I'm going to be, be preaching if Jesus tarries five years from now on a Friday night in Tucson conference? I'm still going to be preaching the same five things. Amen. That is what I was handed That's my intention, and by the grace of God and your prayers, if God will help me, that's what I intend to do. But what about you? What are you going to be doing in five years? What are you going to be believing in five years, ten years, if Jesus tarries? Is that the record that's going to be written about you at the end? I finished 
not just I'm done because I'm going to die. What was marked out for me, I was mission true. Because if we'll do that, I'm telling you, we are absolutely going to reach the world in incredible ways. The only way we can do that, we have to stay mission true. Let's bow our heads. Close our eyes all across this place. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.